Hey, D1 softball player, will you catch my phone, not my wife? Thank you. All right. Makes more sense. Can I get an amen on that one? D1 softball player, University of Georgia, or my wife? God love her. She's not a softball player. All right. Um, but she's so athletic. So anyway, um, hey, so welcome, guys. I'm glad that y'all are here today. And uh, our last announcement is just very simple. So as... Um, as Natalie was talking about, we do have small groups that are coming up. And just a, this is a reminder for us at Vintage. So for at Vintage, our small groups are a primary, are the primary way that we invite you and, and, and set up for you to connect in relationship with other people. We do some events throughout the year, but small groups are the primary way that we help you build relationship, to have a quote-unquote peer-on-peer type discipleship and accountability. We're in relationship with other people who are in your group, connecting, doing life building that relationship and going deeper with people. And we have those small groups, again, starting up coming this uh, next couple of months, or excuse me, this month. And so in that, we are studying in our fall study Titus. And so in that fall study in our small groups, we'll be looking at Titus, diving into it, going deeper on a deeper level. And so we would love for all of you to get connected into a small group. Right now, we have over 120 people at Vintage currently in small groups that have been ongoing, which, to be honest with you, for a church, our size is powerful. It's amazing. Everybody's like, are you kidding me? That's incredible, right? And so we would love to take the rest of you who are not in small groups and to get into one. Recognize some of you have had great small group experiences in your life. Some of you have had some bad small group experiences in your life. Maybe have some PTSD around them. We would simply say, just try them again, right? Just try them again. Try to get to invite you to get into a group, connect with some people. Great place to build relationship and get together with one another, honestly, to grow spiritually. With questions, with that, we have two people I want you to connect with. One, obviously, is April June Star. She's right here in the back next to Hot Guy Marty. You can connect with her. She's over Adult Ministries here at Vintage, and she can answer all the questions. We also have Mike Farley. Mike, put your hand up for me, please. This is Mike. And so, so a lot of you uh, knew Mike. Mike and, and, and Grace and Julie were a part of Vintage for many years. They left for a couple of years. They were most recently in New Orleans and have moved back. And so Mike's going to be stepping into a level of leadership here at Vintage. And part of that is going to be connecting with our small groups in the fall, very much like Kurt Miller did last year. And so so he'll be stepping in, helping April along with our small groups. He'll be answering some questions. He'll be speaking during October uh, on during Titus and during the Titus series. I'm excited for you to connect with him with that. But I want you to connect with Mike. He'd love to answer questions. He's really passionate about small groups. That's why we've asked him to step in. April's incredibly excited about his partnership and that and them working together. So you can connect with Mike. You can connect with April, and they can answer your questions. And so that'd be great. That's my announcement. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, as of yesterday, we literally we did move AK into school yesterday at Georgia Tech. That's always a, a bittersweet moment. Maybe a few tears were shed by us and by Randall especially. Um, but she's doing well. But I, I invite you to ask. You just be praying for her. This is an important... Some, ooh. Sorry. Just pray for her. It's an important semester. So... 
as a dad, I'm asking. That'd be great. Um, and then Sarah starts over at Sanford. We go over the last week of August, August 25th, be our wedding anniversary, and they'll be taking over and moving her in. What a great way to spend it. So, uh, but no, but just be praying for my kids and praying for all. And I look at my kids, but I also recognize, pray for all of our students, those who have gone back to school, whether it's middle school, high school, elementary school, those especially going off to college and starting college back. Um, and just pray for them again. For our college students, they really are entering to a, you know, a unique stage of life where they have been shaped by us. Now they're going out to begin, quote unquote, shaping self in their own life. Uh, and that goes better for some than it does for others. But let's pray for all of them so that it can go well with them in the end. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive in this morning uh, as we near the end of our conversation this morning around hearing God's voice. We're going to spend our time this morning talking about some of the practical ways of hearing God's voice. We're going to do that after I kind of lay out just a biblical picture uh, this morning of an experience we see in Scripture of Paul specifically hearing the voice of the Lord, what it meant for him, and hopefully it'll act as an encouragement for us and produce a level of courage in us as it did in him. And so with that in mind, I want to, to start, though, with a couple of primary statements that I've already made in the last several, last many weeks. If you haven't been here in our study on hearing God's voice, I want to invite you to go back and listen to it. Uh, I, I think it's been helpful. I think it's been some important pieces in hearing God's voice. And you can go back and begin to uh, just to, to, to dive into those if you missed it. But two primary things I want to go ahead and name. We can go ahead and put them on the screen, these starting keys for us. Now, Number one, hearing God's voice will always start and end with Scripture. And then two, communication is the foundation to our relationship with Jesus. You can leave that up there for a second there, Josh. So hearing God's voice, I want to invite you, as it relates to Scripture, as it relates to Scripture, we must become students of His Word. We must fall in love with it. We must allow it to permeate us. We must allow ourselves and cause ourselves and give ourselves to learning from it. It's one thing, yes, to know the stories of God, and those are very important. But really what you find most in Scripture is, is the character of God and how he expresses uh, himself as God in the midst of, the, of human life. And so what I, when I read, I love the stories, and I learn from the stories and the practicals of it. But even more so, I love learning about the character of God and who he is and how he relates to his children and what that means and how people respond to him. And, and the idea that as I learn to hear God's voice, recognizing that scripture as my foundation, as my source, as the primary way that God speaks and as the, the boundaries in which I will hear everything. So the idea is if I have a, an internal impression or a dream or a vision and it's outside the bounds of scripture, we just immediately throw it into the trash can and recognize it's not from the Lord. Right. So we can't do that unless we know scripture, unless we dive into it and allow it to permeate. The second thing, again, what I said was that we have to be people. See, the second thing is I believe God's still speaking to us today. Communication is the foundation to our relationship with Jesus. And the part that I don't want you to miss is that God loves being in relationship with you. Right. God loves being in relationship with you. It, 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 it excites him. 
There's a joy in the heart of Jesus and being in relationship with you and knowing you. It's why he died. And the very first thing that God did in the moment after Jesus' death is he took the temple veil that represented separation between human beings and God. And he tore it from top to bottom as a symbol to show you, I want to be near you and I want you near me. I want to be in relationship with you and I want you to be in relationship with me, right? There's this beautiful piece. And we've been designed for relationship with God. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to communicate to us. Now, with it in mind, again, I want to read this story, uh, an experience of Paul, of himself hearing God's voice and how it shaped him, how it changed him in the moment. Now, here's the thing that's important about telling stories about Paul. For us who see Paul as the primary human contributor to the New Testament, being the apostle to the Gentiles, being one of the most important and foundational characters in all of Scripture, we sometimes forget that he was just a human being like you. Like he wasn't supernatural. He wasn't superhuman. Like if you read through scripture, you see some mistakes that he made and getting in a fight with Barnabas. I think I would have picked Barnabas' side, by the way, right? It's like you have this fight that happens in the moment in the book of Acts, and they go their separate ways, and separation occurs, right? And, and, and people all kind of like to theologize that. He was just a human being who got mad and got his feelings hurt, and he left, right? I mean, that's what happened, okay? Just a human being like you and me. And so in this story, we begin to see what seemingly is like super Paul, but then we see God do something very beautiful. He highlights for us Paul's humanity and his response to him. And what we see in it is something powerful in how God is communicating with Paul whom he loves, and encouraging him and trying to produce courage. So chapter 18 of Acts, starting in verse 4. So Paul has come into Corinth. He left Athens, come into Corinth. He's met a couple named Aquila and Priscilla who make tents just like he does, and he begins to work with them and make tents with them. We pick it up in verse 4. It says, every Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, just let that sink in, okay? When they opposed Paul, those he was speaking to opposed Paul and became abusive. He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, <coughs> I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Now, here's where, Paul, where God gives us an insight into what Paul was dealing with. One of the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I have many people. <clears throat> excuse me. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people 
in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Now, I love this story because I think we think about Paul again. We put him up here in this pedestal. And, and when God speaks to him, what I believe God's doing is I believe God is highlighting the very thoughts that Paul has been wrestling with in the moment. Right. He's had this moment. He's been trying to love on these people. He's been trying to speak. And all of a sudden they get aggressive. Right. They oppress him and they get abusive. Right. It's a powerful statement. Right. What type of abuse is he experiencing? What's actually going on? Is it verbal only in nature? Is it physical? Did he live in fear of the physical? Because one, he knew what he had done to Christians before who had been proclaiming the gospel just chapters before, years before. He knew what happened to Jesus whenever the gospels proclaimed. And he recognized what's going on. There's some level of abuse. And so I have to believe in the moment what's happening for Paul in this moment that he's literally thinking, I'm afraid, a level of fear. I think in the moment he's thinking about not speaking or at least leaving this city and going to some other place where it would be a little bit less dangerous and he could speak without being abused because there were lots of places in need of the gospel, lots of people in need of Jesus. And so he's going to come in the morning. He's like, I'm just going to go ahead and probably in his own wisdom, in his own logic, he's going to leave because it just made sense to go someplace where he would not lose his life, not get beat up. He could proclaim the gospel because he had just come from Athens and they had received it. So he could just go back to other places. But in the moment, what happens in relationship, God communicates with Paul and says, hey, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, I want you to keep on speaking. Please, please, please do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. The beauty of this, Paul listened. He had confidence and he had courage because of the vision, and he stayed for another year and a half proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the city of Corinth. Hearing God filled Paul with encouragement, courage, and the knowledge that no one was going to attack him. Listen, the ability to hear God's voice with confidence is profound and life-changing once we cultivate it. That's the idea. Because when God speaks into a moment, right, and he builds this level of confidence and we're all of a sudden out here on our own and we're struggling, then God speaks. What does it do? It settles us. It grounds us. And it gives us a foundation saying, if God is for me, then who can be against me? It's one thing to believe that from Scripture, and we, and we do, but there's a whole other thing when we're sitting there still struggling in the moment, and God then comes into our prayer time, comes into whatever He wants to, and just speaks a word of confidence. We say, no, this is the path. Let's walk in it. This morning, I want you to see this story as an example of the power behind listening to and following God, right? Listening to His voice, cultivating that ability. When moments arise, sitting before Him and listening and hearing his voice and allowing him to speak to fill us with confidence in those moments where as human beings we may be struggling like we always do. So again, story as motivation. I want to invite you to engage these next steps I'm going to name of hearing God's voice as we engage them so that we can have our own level of growth, our own level of encouragement, our own level of courage 
Again, I encourage you to take notes on some of these things. They're just practical steps. Some of these are things that in my own life or things that I've read that have cultivated over the last 25 years of going after hearing God's voice. Number one, this is the starting point. You have to determine to align yourself with Jesus. This may seem super practical and like common sense, but the fact is I'm around a lot of Christians in name all the time who they seem to be in alignment with a lot of things in their life, whether it's productivity, whether it's making money, whether it's comfort, whatever it may be, right? They've aligned themselves. This is going back to setting our posture, having a heart posture directed towards the Lord, but determining to have alignment with Jesus. This is the starting point. You know what it means to not have alignment, right? In the context of your life, you might have like, listen, why do you go see a chiropractor? Because your back hurts. Because your back is not in alignment. Have you ever watched those cars, especially big SUVs? They drive on the road, and they're like, cattywampus like this because their wheels are out of alignment. And they just look kind of, have you ever seen those? Like they're driving sideways. <coughs> look for on the highway next time you're You're always going to find them like, kind of like, woo, driving down the road. You're like, oh, my God, their wheels are out of alignment. It's just kind of weird, right? The idea is that your car doesn't ride right unless your wheels are in alignment. And the idea for our life is unless we have alignment with Jesus, and you understand what that means, that we have literally submitted ourselves to his lordship. We submitted himself to, uh, his, le- to his leadership. We've chosen to die to self so that he can increase, right? We've chosen to love him more than anything in the world and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We've learned to fight for humility because God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Obstacles between us and Jesus will hinder every area of relationship we have, including hearing his voice. If my life's not in alignment, then I'm looking the wrong direction. And God may be speaking. There's a good chance that I'll miss him. I will say this very confidently in my own life. There have been seasons and moments of my life where I've not been in alignment with Jesus. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to get there and realize there have been moments I've absolutely missed hearing his voice in important moments. Right? I don't say that with condemnation. I don't feel that with some level like, oh, impending guilt. It's just the reality that I'm sure I've missed God's voice somewhere in my life because I had other pieces I was aligned with. So number one, determine to align yourself with Jesus. Number two, that's a choice. That's a choice. Number two, determine your conviction on if and how God speaks today. Just determine if you actually believe he speaks today and just kind of land on what your conviction is on how he speaks. If you don't believe God speaks today, then obviously you won't be looking for and listening to him. This is super practical, right? If you don't believe he speaks today, then you won't be paying attention for when he does. That's just a common sense reality, okay? And so you're 100% not going to hear God's voice if you're not paying attention and listening to him, okay? Yes, he can push through all of that. And he can still push through and open up our ears. I get that. But you know what I'm getting at? As it relates to everyday life. I'm not aligning myself and looking, expecting him to speak, that I'm going to miss him. So I want to live in this place of believing he, if he does, right, if he doesn't, being really honest with that. I can't count the number of times that I've looked at Randall and said, wait, wait, are you talking to me? Are you speaking to me, right? I think she was, like, still on the phone with somebody or talking to one of our girls. And then she gives me, like, are you serious? Look, you should know I'm talking to you, right? But you know what I'm getting at? That moment of, like, oh, I didn't know you were talking to me. And so you have to be honest about, do you actually believe he speaks, Be honest about it. Super practical. Just be honest. 
And if you do, then be honest about how you'll let him speak. Because I find people with this, they're happy to hear God in this realm, in these types of ways. But you could ever hear in this realm, and they're not listening very well. And all I'm getting at, you have to be really, really sensitive and aware to how you believe God will speak. Sometimes, God doesn't, God's not speaking. And I'm like, because he's probably speaking over here. Like, I think a pr- real practical way is this. I get around people saying, God's not speaking. And I watch their life, and they're going 150 miles per hour, 24 hours a day, and not actually taking time to slow down, let go of those things they think they need to control, and then just stop to listen. And sometimes God's saying, I'm not, I mean, I've done that to Randall and both of my girls, and they've done it to me. I'm not going to talk to you until you close your computer. Right? Have you ever done that? Super practical. And so a lot of times God's like, I'm just waiting for you to stop. I'm just waiting for you to slow down. I'm just waiting for you to trust. I'm just, whatever it is, I'm just waiting. And all of a sudden we kind of sit down and we kind of look him in the eyes. You're like, okay, now we can talk. Right? There's just those pieces. You have to let God, like, how do you believe God speaks? And are you willing to slow down and let him speak? Again, this is common sense. But if you do believe he speaks today, determines the third piece. Determine to cultivate listening to and hearing Jesus. Like, cultivate it. What do you mean, Steve? Like, choose to invest yourself into it and become better at it like you do everything else you're passionate about in life. Like, I've committed in 2022 to 2023, in one year, I'm planning to shave 10 strokes off of my golf swing, right? Being an empty nester and having all the extra time in the world that I've been waiting for. I'm going to shave 10 strokes off of my golf swing. Now, let me tell you how that happens. I actually got some new golf clubs. For those of you who know Scott Crawford, super fun story, I called Scott started talking about golf clubs, and he started talking for like 10 minutes about the golf clubs I needed to get, and so finally I just stopped him and said, hey, bro, do you know what I need? He's like, yeah. I said, I'm going to send you a picture of my credit card. When you find them, just buy them and mail them to me, and he did five days later, right? Super good times. Thank you, Scott Crawford, right? And so in that, right, I have to invest money into it. I got to invest time. I got to go to the driving range. I got to go play. I got to work on my short game, my mid, my iron game, and my, and my woods. I got to work on every single part of my game because if I'm going to get better, I've got to invest into it, right? And I've got to cultivate the ability to grow in my golf game. There is nothing different about hearing God's voice. I have to invest into it and cultivate it because it's something that's not natural to me like it's not natural to learn any other foreign language. If you're going to Germany next week, you can't take a German book, stick it to your head by osmosis and learn German. What do you have to do to learn a new language? You have to learn, invest, give your time to it, study, prepare, look, read, and sit, sit with it. And learning to cultivate, listen to, and hear God's voice is no different it is no different. I love, and so when Scott was here, Scott talked to him for the guys he discipled. He had this whole idea of Selah. You remember that? Selah was like, it's one of those words found in the Psalms. Actually, the theologians really don't know exactly what Selah means and what it was as a music term or a literary term. There's all sorts of ideas. Around it. Go read the Psalms until you find one that says Selah in it. But one of the things they're pretty confident about is that Selah was a moment of a break. It was a moment for a pause in, in the Psalm, right? And, and the purpose was probably intentional to say, let's then focus on what we just sang about or let's just pause 
pause to go on to the next piece, but there is an intentional pause of this thought process. And so what Scott took that to me, and I'll invite you to do this, he said, what I've done then is I've taken that as Selah to be something I do in every single moment in conversation I'm in in life. In every conversation I'm in, I will say Selah where I am listening to the person, but I'm taking a break mentally to listen to what Jesus may be speaking in the moment in every situation. So Scott would literally be in a conversation with you, and all of a sudden you'd see his mind spinning, and you knew he had a Selah moment where in pausing to listen, he heard God's voice and had something he wanted to share with you. And so the idea is, what if we lived life as a big Selah. I'm literally pausing in every moment of every conversation and all the things going on and all the questions that I had to say, Selah, your grace can take care of everything. What are you saying and what are you doing? What are you saying and what are you doing? Determined to cultivate this. Peter Oswalt, a lot of you know him, pastor to Rise Life. He and I were sitting at Starbucks about eight years ago. And we were like eye to eye, talking, 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 talking like this, right? And all of a sudden, this girl walked by. Like I saw her. I saw her. She walked by the corner of my eye. And she worked at She'd worked. She worked there. And all of a sudden, Peter goes, ooh. And I'm like, what's going on? He just goes, hold on. Hey, excuse me, ma'am. As you were walking by, I felt... This may sound crazy, but I felt like God wanted me to share something with you and to pray for you. I felt like God says you walk by, you have horrendous lower back pain that just come on recently and you're dealing with it. I believe God wants to express his love to you and heal you. And she goes, how did you know that? I'm literally leaving to go to the chiropractor after this because my back is all of a sudden just woke up sort of killing me one day. I don't know what's going on. And he starts laughing. He's like, can I just pray for you? I felt like God shared that because he loves you. She's like, okay. And he like on her arm right here, like a three-second prayer, right? And then said, amen, thanks so much. What's your name? So great to meet you. He's like, all right, continue, right? And we like, I said, uh, uh, okay, you know. But here's the point. It was a Selah moment. It was this moment of remembrance and of giving this, this place right here of just saying, hey, I'm going to determine to cultivate in the middle of everything going on in Selah in every moment. Next, give yourself to grace to learn and grow. I've already, I've already named that a little bit, right? Your mind races with hundreds of voices every day. You have to learn to separate the voice of God from your own voice, from the voice of the enemy, the voice of the world, right? You have to learn his voice. It will take time. You won't be good at it immediately, but you will grow in and become better and better and better over <coughs> time. Excuse me, guys. Got that, that, holding, that cough holding on. Now, with that, next, remember God's voice is easy to reject. Remember that God's voice is going to be easy for you to reject. Because it doesn't always sound the way that we expect, and it may be, may be uncomfortable, maybe uncomfortable in the things that he calls us to do, so we tune it out. So as it relates to the sound, the way God's voice speaks, I love in 1 Kings nineteen twelve when it says, there was this fire that came through with Elijah, like a fire blew through you know, the valley or whatever and came past the, 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 the cave he was in. Then a fire came, then an earthquake came, and God was not in any of those. Thank you. Thank you. So he wasn't in any of those. Sorry. That's so gross, guys. And it's super productive, even worse. Right? There you go. So now... Now, when in, in this one, I love it because 
he speaks into the moment, God, God does, and there's these beautiful, powerful things. And here's the thing I realized over the years, it's like when I'm sitting here reading and going, yes, I love the thunderous nature of God's voice. If I could choose a style of God's voice, it would always be the thunderous way, right? It would be the loud, super obvious, in-your-face way. But what I loved is that Elijah knew God wasn't in any of those things. And then it says in verse 12 of 1 Kings 19, And then there was a sound like a gentle whisper. He put his cloak over his head, and then he walked out. And here's the point about it. God can speak however he wants to, and sometimes he's thunderous, and sometimes he's big visions, but those are usually once in a blue moon. The primary way that I've experienced God speaking, and most people I know experience God speaking, is more like the gentle whisper. These pieces you think, was it? Was it? That Was that God? But over time, you begin to realize and cultivate the ability to recognize, no, that it is the whisper of God, and he is speaking. And that's what we find here. Sometimes we're looking for the thunder, and God usually speaks in the whisper. And so just to recognize, you may want God to speak loud, but he usually speaks soft. It's just the nature historically of how he normally speaks. You have to cultivate that ability and get comfortable with it. It's very easy to miss and reject if we we don't recognize it's his voice. Second, he may call us to do things that make us uncomfortable. He may call us to do things that make us uncomfortable. I've had moments where God says, give X amount of money away. And I'm like, that's super uncomfortable, Jesus, right? Or maybe even even crazy things. I'm going to tell this story, and this sounds crazy, I know. But I was listening to a story one time of a guy talk about leading worship. I was leading worship, and and I was at a church, and all of a sudden I heard the voices. I heard what I felt like God would say, get off of stage and do five push-ups. He's like, I'm not going to do five push-ups, right? I'm not going to do this. This is so weird. Like, that's so odd. I'm not doing five push-ups. And, like, and he's like, kind of pushes it aside. He's like, that's just my spiritual mind talking. Da, da, da. And all of a sudden he's like, no, get down and off of stage and do five push-ups. He knows it's the Lord. He's cultivated the ability. He's super uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. Fine, Jesus, I will do it, right? So he walks off stage, one, two, as fast as he can, one, two, three, four, five, runs back up on stage, hoping nobody saw him and he keeps on playing, right? No big deal. Gets to the very end of service. Nobody says anything. He's great. All of a sudden, this random dude walks up. The guy goes, why did you get up? Why did you get off stage and do five push-ups? He's like, uh, honestly, I didn't want to, but I felt like I was playing. I felt like God said, get down and do five push-ups. And the guy's like, you heard God say, get down and do five push-ups. Yeah, if that offended you, I just want to apologize. But I was just trying to be obedient to the Lord. And the guy got tears in his eyes. He said, I just literally said to the Lord, testing him, but yes. Just said to the Lord, I don't believe in Jesus. But if you're real, then have someone get off stage and do five push-ups right now. And the first thing you said is, God, I'll do anything, but don't make me do that, please, right? (laughs) Here's my point. There's a question you ask yourself practically. Does God have boundaries on things he'll ask his children to do to reveal himself to those who may need them? Will he call you to go to some random foreign country? You don't speak the language or to hop down off the stage and do five simple push-ups? The Lord is looking for people who have no boundaries on what he will listen to him say. Next one, so I'll make you uncomfortable. He may call us to do things that seem, that don't, excuse me, that don't seem logical. And this is really, this is similar. 
But I think sometimes, especially for the um, just the Western church, we are so here with the enlightenment around logic that if we don't think something's logical, then we don't think it's from Jesus. And I can't, like, say, so this is how you know. But I'm just telling you, sometimes logical is not the, sometimes logical is just not how God speaks. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it isn't. If you want to go see the argument of logic, go read a lot of the arguments of Job's friends who were used of the enemy. I'm just saying, right? But I'll never forget this is a simple story. And again, I can't unpack this, but just recognizing, if you read through scriptures, like you'll recognize a lot of things that God said just didn't seem logical for people to do. Like, leave the home that you know, Abraham, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Just start walking this direction. That doesn't seem logical. Right? That's not logical. Because if you're a planner, but God, where are we going? And is there water there, Lord? I mean, I'm getting it. It doesn't seem logical. Whatever it gets, this is Tammy Hutchinson here this morning. So I'll tell one of our stories, one of her stories. So I was, I was with her at her home, and she was telling me a story. She had a brand new computer. And I said, oh, you got a new computer? She's like, yeah, have you heard the story? I'm like, no, tell me the story. And she goes, it's crazy. About, about, I don't know, about a month ago, two months ago, I was praying that God would give me a computer. He said, all of a sudden, someone came to her house one day with a computer in hand and said, hey, I felt like God said I need to give you this computer. And she said, okay, perfect. And so handed everything over to the computer. She walked up to her bedroom, put it down. The Lord said, the computer's not for you. It's for somebody else. She's like, oh, but, uh, okay. And so she took the computer and gave it away to somebody else who she had known needed one. And then she's computerless, right? And she's like, okay, Jesus, great. That was a fun game. So, okay. But she trusted the Lord, so what she did, she waited. And almost, I don't know how long it was, whether it was a day, like hours, a day, or a week. I have no, I don't know that story. You can ask her when you see her, if she remembers. <clears throat> and said, it's just, all of a sudden, someone showed up and said, I feel like God said to buy you this brand new computer. And she's like, Lord, can I keep this one? She's like, that one's yours. Thank you very much, right? But here's the point. Let me tell you my story. She's sitting here telling me the story. And do you know what, you want to know what I said to myself, to the Lord? I said to the Lord, who, I don't know if I could have heard you say that and been obedient. Because it didn't seem logical. What's the most logical thing? I prayed and believed God in faith for a computer. Someone literally walked to a door that I live in that house and offered a computer to me because they felt like God had said to give me a computer. I would have stopped right there and said, God answered my prayer. I would have gone on my blog right there or on Facebook or on Instagram and talked about how God has miraculously answered my prayer. Boom, amen, go home. Right? But no. She cultivated the ability to hear the next step, which was the sacrifice of then taking something God had given, even though she needed it, and give it away. And I'll be honest with you, for the last 20 years, I tell that story to myself all the time when I'm listening to and hearing God's voice, because logic always has gotten in the way of me hearing everything he wants to say. Okay? I can reject his voice easily if it's not logical. Uh, the things he'll make call us to do may be costly, maybe costly on every level. Yes, if you think of that financially, and that's true. I mean, all of us might have stories in here giving thousands of dollars away to those who are in need and money that you did not have. I hope all of us have those stories. But two, it's going to be costly relationally. 
Because a lot of times God will call us to do things that are difficult for the purpose of the salvation of that person or to challenge them or to correct them or to be a friend. And it's gonna, and God's saying, you need to go and confront this person. And you're like, I can't do that. And you give all the reasons why, but it's all usually relationally because you want to protect something as if God can't protect it for you. And so you, begin to pull back and say, ah, God's not going to have me confront. Listen, I'm there forget. We were here. So this has been about four or five years ago. Scott, again, Scott Crawford and I, we had, we had spent the day together. And the next day he says, hey, I need to talk to you. And I can tell you it was really uncomfortable. I need to talk to you about something. I, 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 I need to confront you on something. And I'm like, okay, because it's not a sin issue. It's a heart issue of yours that I'm really concerned about for you. I said, Okay, he says, he starts going through, he says, I've watched you interact with these situations. He said, and seemingly your heart has been hard towards the people you're talking with. That's not who you are. And I just want to challenge you to see what God's doing in that. Well, you know what it did? And this is me being fully transparent. I just sat down and said, yeah, I've been really wrestling. I've been wrestling with such rejection over the hundreds of people that have left Vintage over the years in a really painful way that it's caused me to put up walls like this to protect myself in case somebody else leaves. And in that, I can absolutely see how my heart has gotten hard without trying to. Bro, I appreciate that. And we had a, like, a, like a tear moment of thankfulness for the challenge of friendship in the moment. And our friendship came out stronger in the end. And I was a better person because all of a sudden I recognized my heart being hardened. So we just prayed together that God would give me a heart of flesh again with the fearlessness of opening myself up but knowing I'd get wounded again just like Jesus does. Right? And so again in this, it's this. He may call us to do things that seem costly relationally. And then our last one, he may mess with your boundaries. Like, how many of you read the book Boundaries in the last 10 years, right? We love to read that book because we don't set boundaries for ourselves. And it's really true. But I just need you to know, I'm going to state it again. God's, God loves your boundaries you set with people so you don't get wounded. And that's super important. But God's boundaries with you, well, they don't exist. And if he wants to wake you up at 2 a.m. to go pray for somebody, well, he'll wake you up at 2 a.m. and make you pray. Right? If he wants you to go and work in children's ministry, you don't do that. No, he'll mess with your boundaries and tell you to go do it. It's like God will has God doesn't look at you and say, "Oh, you set boundaries up for me. I can't cross." Okay, thank you for setting those. Right? He just doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have boundaries in your relationship. You need to process that and just kind of move beyond that. All right. Uh, last, next one. Again, super fast here. Remove distractions. The thing I want to say, Martha and Mary in Luke chapter eleven. Since he was worried and anxious about many things, Jesus said, you need to know that she was opposed to the will of God in the moment. I'm just being honest. She was opposed to the will of the Lord in the moment because her anxiousness and, and her anxiousness and her worry had actually become a distraction to her enjoying the presence of Jesus that was actually in her house. And so when we get to a place where we can't actually enjoy people or the presence of Jesus because we have so many worries and anxieties, I'm just telling you, the distraction is going to keep you from hearing God and enjoying his presence. 
distractions are a very, very big deal. Would I say that Jesus was mad at her? No, he was broken for her. Why? Because he had something so much deeper and richer for her that she could not receive because she was anxious and worried about so many things. And if that's you, there's no shame or guilt in that. It's just, hey, wake up. Just turn to Jesus. Put these things down and enjoy his presence. Right? And the last thing is to step out and share what you hear. Step out and share what you hear, but I need you to be wise in it. Listen, step out and share, but everyone in your life who you're going to share with needs you to be wise with how you do it for their sake, for their sake. As you grow in hearing God's voice, um, it's the least scary to hear for yourself because you can keep it on the inside. It doesn't really cost you anything to be wrong. But when hearing God's voice for someone else or for the church, it can be a little more scary to share because you don't necessarily, at least in the beginning, feel 100% confident, right? And you may end up being wrong and feel embarrassed. And so that's just the reality of what it looks like. But I would say as you take your first practical step, find someone you trust, Find someone you trust, someone who loves you and you love, is willing to show you grace. Say, listen, I was praying and I felt like God may have said this. Give me your feedback on that, right? Let someone help you grow in your confidence in hearing God's voice by sharing with somebody you trust. Or if I'm sharing with Sydney, and like I'm Sydney, I have a great relationship, I can say to her, hey, listen, this is super important. This is words you should use. Hey, listen, I was praying, and I had this, I had this, this, this impression. I'll be honest with you. If it's not from the Lord, you can take it and throw it away. But if it is from the Lord, I want you to receive it. So I'm just asking for grace as I share. Peter Oswald, who's one of those prophetic people I know, every time he calls me once a month and shares a word with me, he prefaces it with that every single time. He's one of the most gifted, prophetically, gifted prophetic voices that I'm friends with. It's just hum- it's, it's humility. It's humility to say, listen, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So in that, step out and share what you hear. I'll never forget telling a guy, listen, I was praying for this guy at Wesley years ago. I'm praying for healing for something, and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I get done as I'm about to say amen. I hear the Lord say, I'm not, and I just, what I believe is the Lord, I'm not going to heal him tonight, but I'm going to heal him before Saturday. And that was Wednesday night. And so I said, hey man, take this for what it's worth. Uh, I, you don't feel any better right now, right? No, my back's still hurting me. I felt like what God just said was, by, by Saturday morning, your back is going to be whole and going to be healed. Can I give that to you? Yeah, bro, we're so good, man. We're so good. Thank you, right? He walks off, right? He was a cheerleader at Georgia. He actually was lying to his coach about being injured because he wanted to cheer on Saturday at the game, right? But whatever. That's when he and Jesus. And so, so anyway, he literally, so he comes to me on Wednesday. And he like really fast walks down the aisle. And he's a cheerleader. He's a big dude. And I'm, he's coming down the aisle. And I'm thinking, this dude is mad at me. He's about to punch me out in front of everybody, right? Because I lied to him in Jesus' name, whatever it was, right? He comes down and grabs by the shoulders like, this is going terribly, right? Now, grabs by the shoulders and said, dude, he did it. He did it. I'm like, what? And he's literally, what? 
He goes, I went home Friday, Wednesday night, dying. Woke up Thursday, felt worse. Woke up Friday, felt even worse to the part I could barely walk to class that day. And I'm like, God, this is not going well. I guess I have to tell my coach. But I remember what you said about Saturday morning. And I'm like, oh, God. He said, Saturday morning, I woke up 100% healed. All of my pain was gone. I got up. I started going up and down. I started doing jumping jacks. I started doing literally like going outside and doing flips in the front yard. 100. I'm like weeping the entire time. All my team knew about it. I told them everything that we had prayed into. And what you said about Saturday morning, I'm like, oh, God. And he said, so I was able to go to them and testify to the goodness of the love of God. And they were looking at it saying, God loves you. Do you know what happened with the cheerleaders? Revival broke out, literally. Literally, revival broke out. Like he comes back a month, year later saying, have I told you what happened since someone said, no, tell me. He starts talking about almost all of them have given their lives to Jesus. Revival had broken out among all the cheerleaders in the University of Georgia, minus a few, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, why? Because in the moment I'd heard God, I stepped out with somebody I could level of trust and just believe and hand that to with, with humility, with humility saying, hey, you know, that's powerful. It's a great story, right? Let me say my greatest regret. This is one that every time I tell I'm cool. So I'm praying for someone. This is actually a little bit like 10 years later. should be more mature. I'm praying for this couple having a hard time getting pregnant. And in the motion of the moment, I got caught up in praying, and I looked at them and said, I feel like God's just saying he's going to give you two babies. I checked six months ago. That was 17, 15 years ago. They still don't have children. Pastor came to me the next day and said, hey, did you tell so-and-so that you were, they were going to have two kids? I was like, oh, man, yeah. I'm not sure I should have done that. I was like, well, we'll just see if you were right. I sure hope you were. And turned around and walked off, and I wasn't. See, the idea for us is in all of our wins and quote-unquote losses, everything's a teacher for us. Everything's a teacher for us. I wasn't great because that guy got healed. That was a learning moment to say that's what God's voice sounds like. That's how in humility I share. It had nothing to do with me, so do not make much of me. Make much of Jesus because it was only his ability, only his voice, and it had nothing to do with me because my power can't heal jack squat. So I learn. There's also the grace in the moment I just pray for this couple. I still pray for them probably about five times a year. God, I just pray that you would take the grace of my stupidity in that moment and restore them. Honestly. And I learned in that moment and have not done it since. Now in that, I come back. That's where the level of grace. I, I could have held on to that. and pray. There's so many things I could have done differently in that, Right. Um, but I begin to hold on to things. So I check those things that are really, really personal in nature, and I'm just hyper careful with them, right? I'm hyper careful uh, with them. So that's it. Last one was learn from your mistakes and learn from your victories. There you go. All right. So it's 11:15. We invite the worship team to come forward. Whoever's going to be doing ministry time for us. Here's what this morning again. Here are practicals for you. So I, we don't teach practicals so you can go teach somebody else. I'm not teaching you practicals so that you can just now have that in your um, <clears throat> in your teaching repertoire where you can just regurgitate that and give it to somebody else. I'm sharing that with you because I believe God is saying in this season for us is he wants us to be a people who are hearing his voice for ourselves and for others and for the church. How do we do that? We take some of these practicals and we just dive in. 
We begin to share confidently with those around. We begin to share with those around us who we're confident with and in relationship with. We're submitting things to them. We're not getting arrogant. Listen, I've had people come to me and say, I feel like God wants me to get up and say this to the church. And I said, why don't you share it with me first, and then I'll decide if you share it. Like, no, no, it's my word to share. And I'm like, then it's not from the Lord. You can sit down now. 100% of the time I do that, right? And so in that, my point is, like, there has to be a level of humility, level of humility in that, in the way that you're receiving and willing to share with people. But I would just say this. Don't let the fear of regret keep you from the beauty of victory. Because just expect you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Like I've prayed for people. I've said, hey, I felt like God has a word this morning for someone here. Da, 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 da. Like no one raises their hand. I'm like, well, I guess I missed that one. I guess it just is what it is, right? And so the idea, just begin to take some steps. Because here's the point. Next week, next Sunday, we're going to have story time here. I'm not going to speak a message. I'm going to hold a microphone. And not holding the microphone, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And I want every single person to share who's willing and able to share a story, maybe preferably from this week, of how you listened to the voice of the Lord, stepped out, took that risk, and shared with someone, shared the gospel with someone, whatever it may be, prayed for someone. I want you to take time this week, actually practice these things, and just begin to share those. Or... Begin to share some of the things that God's just been doing in you. So just again to tell the story of God in your life, because in telling your and sharing your stories about God's movement, it encourages other people, produces faith in us. I'm not looking for stories from ten years ago. They're not fresh stories. I don't want them. You have you can go back three months. That's about it, right? You got three months worth of stories and forward. Okay, three months to me is still current. Four months is not. So three months and forward. Okay, those are the stories I'm looking for you to share. Listen, if you don't have stories to share, I'm going to sit right here and not say anything for 40 minutes. It's going to be the worst Sunday ever, right? So I am asking you to take this week to pray, to listen to the Lord, take those steps, and then come next Sunday ready and prepared to share. And we're going to pick people right here, and then we're going to literally sit right here and prepare, and then you're going to hold the microphone. I'm going to hold the microphone for you, and then you're going to share your story. All right? All right, so in ministry this morning, we invite our ministry teams to come forward, and Greg's going to lead us in worship. I just want to invite you to come to get prayer for anything going on in your life. I've told stories this morning about God's healing. If you need healing in your life, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, we want you to come forward and get prayer, right? Is there anything magical about this? No, but there's something holy about it. There's something holy about the people of God, the the coming alongside the other people of God and just loving on one another this morning. So we want to do that. We have the altar open. If you want to come and just lay some fears or lay some worries or lay some things at the feet of the Lord as an act of worship this morning, okay? invite you to come. Communion's available every Sunday. We don't want it to become like this thing that you do. Recognizing every Sunday is a day to remember the body broken and the blood poured out because that's what sets us free to enter into relationship with him and know him powerfully. There's a grace every single time we take it to be re-alivened and reawakened in our relationship with him. So you respond to the Lord leads. I'll come back up here in a few minutes.